Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and this week we're talking Under the Volcano, The Ice Road and we have some big news to reveal. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies, don't we Lee? We do. And this week, Tim, as I said, it's Under the Volcano, the Ice Road. And if you hang on for the news section, some very, very big, exciting news. Just hang on, guys. Hang on tight. But first, we're going to jump into our take on the documentary film Under the Volcano, which is the untold story of Air Studios in Montserrat, the tropical island getaway set up in 1979 by legendary Beatles producer George Martin. For stars including The Police, The Rolling Stones, Elton John and more to record their new albums. This documentary tracks the successes and downfall of the facility that sat under the shadow of an active volcano. A place where the world's biggest recording artists made music that defined an era. The documentary is directed by Gracie Otto and written by Cody Greenwood, Gracie Otto and Ian Shadwell. The film features countless artists from the 70s and 80s, including Sting, The Police, Paul McCartney, Elton John, Duran Duran, Culture Club, Stevie Wonder and many, many more. The list goes on and on, doesn't it, Tim? Absolutely. What a what a feast of incredible artists and talent. Just brilliant, brilliant. So as we mentioned, this is a documentary from filmmaker Gracie Otto, who is Australian royalty, really, isn't she? She's the daughter of Barry Otto and the sibling of Miranda Otto. So she's part of an acting dynasty here in Australia. Do you know what? I had not joined the dots there. So thank you for enlightening me with that. That's kind of cool. There you go. And a bit of background about George Martin too, for those people who might not know who he is. Mm. He is considered one of the greatest producers of his time. He was known as the fifth Beatle. Um, And he's also worked with Elton John and Celine Dion. So he wanted to create a studio 
that was more artist friendly, less about the bucks and the red tape and more about just creating in this beautiful environment. Yeah, he created Ace Studios in a way to take artists out of their environment and put them in nature to give them, you know, time Mm. to talk, to evoke new ideas and thinking for their work, which ultimately the hope and what was definitely delivered through this era of music was really incredible sounds, iconic tracks and albums that that we still listen to to this day. And it was really lovely to get some insight into the locals that were a big part of making these studios happen. So there's like interviews with chefs, the housekeepers, the drivers, the local guides, and they were woven into the fabric of what was going on at this studio during the 80s that, you know, it was like a 10-year period that this studio existed. Yeah, I loved hearing all the experiences of the local residents, like you said, and and what the studios meant to them. Mm. You know, the experiences that the bar owners had, the anecdotes at the housekeepers, and there's this famous windsurfer teacher that taught Sting how to windsurf, uh, and Sting loved to go yeah. back for a holiday and recreational, and I think they built this really beautiful bond, and then also stories of the drivers and such. It was just a really nice way of piecing together mm. a, a moment in history, but quite personally, I think. Yeah, definitely. Very personal. And it's as much a love letter to these locals as it is a trip down memory lane through a Mm. rock star's eyes, isn't it? And there's some great stories here. I'm not very many groundbreaking stories, I would say, but um, although there is one about the breakup of the police, which I thought was really cool and like the background info of what was going on during that time when they were just about to break up. Yeah, look, it's no new headline that artists are quite tormented, right? Mm. But I think that what Air Studios provided them was a was a bit of a challenging space. Like we learned in the documentary that it didn't quite work for Duran Duran. It clearly at times didn't quite work for the police, although I think Sting felt very much at home there personally. Mm. And I really liked that dynamic between the three police band members because we never saw them being interviewed together. It was always individually, which kind of played on the whole rift between them, I guess, as the documentary was playing out. I quite liked the anecdotes that were shared about George Martin himself, because at the beginning of the film, it almost felt like it was a biopic on him in his life, uh, in Mm. how he set up the studios, his iconic status as the Beatles producer, which you've touched on, and his process as a producer, and also revealing who he was as a person, um, and how he fell in love with with the island Montserrat in the Mm. Caribbean. And it's pretty amazing that they could get all this equipment out there, because this was a really remote island at the time and just getting all that equipment out there, not being able to just fly it in on a helicopter or, you know, just had to get it by, there by boat, by speedboat, I believe. And didn't you just love seeing that archival footage? Like mm. this film was a master in collating such footage and editing such a cohesive, you know, linear story in, in essence. I was really surprised but very grateful that they had captured all that sort of the transport of them getting this mm. mixing desk up uh, to underneath the volcano and also capturing so many of these recording sessions over the late 70s and 80s. And it was just such a re- revealing insight into the period. Yeah, there's a wealth of great personal footage there, which was really cool. And I guess Gracie Otto has some great access to these people. Maybe it's got mm. something to do with who she is or who she knows, or maybe she's just grifting and doing the hard yards and she just really pulled this off. Yeah, I mean, documentary filmmaking is incredibly personal, isn't it? Because you're mm. extrapolating very, like, real experiences. 
and you can see that these artists feel very comfortable under the guidance of Gracie Otto in the in the mm. director and one of the writers and it was quite revealing in the stuff that they were sharing uh, which was a real treat of this film I think it was yeah. very very open very honest you have to get people to trust you with their story mm. when you're making a documentary and it, it takes skill for sure I guess we've also got to talk about it's not really a spoiler is it I mean mm. the devastation that was brought to the island and the reason why mm. the studios don't exist anymore um, was heartbreaking not only did the volcano erupt and wipe you know most of the island out but right beforehand there was also a hurricane yes Hurricane Hugo in 1989 devastating so to be hit with both of these natural disaster events and then you know the devastation of the island was just really moving to see the aftermath of that and that, you know, it hasn't been cleaned up. It's still there. The bones of the building are still there. Yeah. I don't know what you got from the the, the footage of that, but I got Chernobyl vibes of a deserted space that simply represented a moment in time, lost but also preserved, weirdly. Mm. Like it was just kind of they had this devastation. No one's been able to safely access that tourists mm. or otherwise since and it's just there it represents this moment in time and that's it. It will never be again. It's just is what it is and just lives in people's memories. And when we got to that section of the documentary, I did wonder if they were going to address what these stars did to help out the locals because I thought, oh, they've come Mm. in, they've used their resources, they've, you know, taken advantage of their hospitality, lived with these people and then all of a sudden disaster strikes and they never hear from them again. And, I mean, you find out, later on, like as an addendum, you know, in the credits that they threw a concert, a benefit concert for them. But I would have liked to have seen more of that or know more of that within the documentary rather than a footnote. Yes, that's a very good point. I guess documentaries do always tend to not stumble, but lean into footnotes at the end that kind of wrap up the story where they Mm. mightn't have had enough resource or time to pull it together. And I think that was a really crucial element in closing the chapter on the story of Montserrat after the destruction, like, yeah, where was that story being told visually for us? I think that was a bit of a misstep uh, from Gracie Otto potentially. Now, we touched on the amazing artists that have been interviewed earlier on. We had, like, Sting, um, members of the police, Duran Duran. Uh, Elton John wasn't interviewed, but he was featured quite heavily. One thing mm. I found really interesting among the stories of, you know, people throwing diva fits and... <laughs> creative Mm. having creative breakdowns and and groups disbanding was that the location fueled the creativity but it also brought you know feuding uh, band members like um, Mick Jagger and Keith Moon closer together which I thought was so Mm. cool yeah it was cool I just want to touch on I was a little disappointed that Elton John wasn't featured as one of the interviewed artists because the film covers quite extensively his experience and connection Mm. with the island in the studio. I thought that was a real shame because he's such a great subject Mm. for being interviewed. He's brilliant. And I was so excited to hear that some of my favourite Elton John songs came out of this location, came out of the creativity of being in this beautiful location. And that's why they call it the blues, I'm Still Standing. Like, amazing, amazing songs. And the soundtrack to this documentary is incredible. Oh, unbelievable. And also the Paul McCartney, Stevie Wonder duet, Ebony and Ivory, yes. came from being filmed at Air Studios. Really iconic mm. songs. It was just great to kind of fill in that blank of, of the creation of these pieces of work when you otherwise didn't know it so intimately. And how amazing 
is it and conducive to creativity just being able to kick around an island paradise and just get those creative mm. juices flowing it's just so cool yeah i mean this moment in time in the 80s renaissance of music it represented a bit of oh, would you call it free will you know studios just had record labels had all this money just to throw mm. and it represented this opulent time where artists could just be sent off by their studio, spend weeks or months in this place, spare no expense. Yeah. And then, you know, everything went from analog to digital and mm. that sort of world completely changed. Budgets were stripped back. And I thought it really nicely captured mm. that change in the music industry in this documentary. Yeah, definitely. And another big change that was happening around then was the uh, invention of MTV, yes, which completely changed the landscape of music at the time. Mm. So, so that affected budgets as well, trying to compete with that. What I really liked also in the anecdotes shared, especially around Duran Duran and the police, was how the MTV era completely took them into the stratosphere of popularity mm. and notoriety. And Montserrat Air Studios was an escape for them, as tormented as they might might have mm. been in that environment out of the hustle and bustle, it kind of gave them a, a bit of an escape because you and I can't imagine what that would be like to experience all that sort of you have no private no. life. So I guess Air Studios gave them that time to breathe in more ways than one. Absolutely. Well, Lee, in wrapping up my take on Under the Volcano, as Recounted by many, Air Studios is still vibrant and alive to the artists who got to experience what it had to offer and how privileged we are to be presented such access to these stories and history as this documentary presented. I love looking behind the scenes. I get a real kick out of it. But just like Air Studios was a glorious dream that came to an end, so did this film, but I wish it kept going. I was invested and can't wait for music lovers alike to see this film. I'm going to rate Under the Volcano for Popcorn Kernels. Okay, well, Under the Volcano celebrates a bygone era of music that gifted us some of the greatest albums and songs from the best of their time. It's a snapshot with cool stories more than anything, but it conveys a love for the people of Montserrat that was beautiful to see. Gracie Otto has unearthed an untold story here that music and doco fans will love. I'm giving it three out of five popcorn kernels. Love that, Lee. And Under the Volcano can be seen as part of the Melbourne International Film Festival from August 14, Sinfest Oz from August 28, and will be available widely on digital from September 1. All right, Tim. Also this week we watched The Ice Road, which is a Liam Neeson action flick, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The story is about a remote diamond mine that collapses in far northern Canada and a big rig ice road driver must lead an impossible rescue mission over a frozen ocean to save the trapped miners. The film is written and directed by Jonathan Hensley, starring Liam Neeson, Marcus Thomas and Lawrence Fishburne. Now, Tim, before we do a short rundown on the ice road, I want to play a little game with you. Okay. It's called Liam Neeson Movie or Not. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say the name of a movie and you'll tell me if it's a Liam Neeson movie or not. And you guys can also play along at home. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. So, Tim, Liam Neeson Movie or Not. Taken. Liam Neeson Movie. <laughs> of course, iconic. <laughs> Indeed. Given. Given. Oh, I'm going to say not. You are correct. Oh, thank God. Two on the board. Revolver. I'm going to say that is a Liam Neeson film. You would be correct, Tim. Suspect. Not a Liam 
Neeson film. That is indeed a Liam Neeson film. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, my good luck streak had to come to an end at some point. The Conductor. Oh, I would actually like to see this, but I feel like we haven't, so it's not. You would be correct. The Big Man. (laughs) The Big Man. Okay, that has to be a Liam Neeson film. Please tell me it is. It is correct. The Other Man. The Other Man. Oh, is is it sequel The Other Woman? Um, No, I'm going to say not a Liam Neeson film. It is, is in fact, a Liam Neeson movie. The Marksman. The Maskman. Yes, it is. Liam Neeson. (laughs) Woohoo! The Nut Job. (laughs) Oh, is that an animated film? Could be. I'm going to say he would have done that, yes. He would be correct. Retribution. Retribution. Oh, God, it really does sound like a Liam Neeson film. So, yes, it is. Wow. He, his films all sound the same. I mean, except the nut job, I have to say. They all <laughs> <laughs> play in the same wheelhouse, they don't do. they? Yes, yes. All right, well, let's do a little wrap-up of uh, The Ice Road just to let people know whether they should see it or not, hey? Okay. Well, what, what would you say to that question then, Lee? Should they see The Ice Road? Well, you know, that's a big loaded question, isn't it? Loaded as a truck. (laughs) The Ice Road is like watching Ice Road truckers without the commentary. You can decide whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. The story is an endless collection of predicaments comprised of uneven special effects that somehow end up feeling anticlimactic and low budget. However, it's an easy watch and Liam Neeson solidly leads it, but even an action hero of his stature can't save both the trapped miners and the contrived screenplay. I'm giving The Ice Road two out of five popcorn kernels. All right, Lee, so my take on The Ice Road. So this film started off setting up a relatively compelling story that quickly cracked under the pressure of terrible writing and dialogue and plummeted off a cliff of far-fetched twists and ridiculousness. The Ice Road tries at times to warm your heart with moments of humanity, which quickly also crack under cliche and freezes back over. Liam Neeson's career trajectory really does confuse me and I wonder what he's thinking, but hey, each their own, I say. I'm going to rate The Ice Road one and a half popcorn kernels. I love that little punny wrap-up, Tim. Well done. (laughs) Thanks. The Ice Road is in Australian cinemas now, lockdown pending. All right, Tim, in the biggest news of the week, some very special guests are joining Popcorn Podcast for our next episode, and we can finally, finally reveal who they are. Hugh Jackman, yes! <laughs> Dandaway Newton and Lisa Joy stop by to chat about their new film, Reminiscence. Gosh, we cannot wait to share these with you guys. So the film is written and directed by Lisa Joy of Westworld fame and is about a private detective of the mind who becomes obsessed with finding his lost love after she mysteriously disappears. Now make sure you're following Popcorn Podcast on your preferred podcast platform to get the episode straight to you as soon as it lands and keep an eye on the YouTube channel too because we'll be putting the interviews up there. Hugh Jackman, baby. Hugh Jackman. All right. Well, let's uh, get on with the show and talk about news and trailers. Mm. So Queen guitarist Brian May 
has changed his tune on the possibility of a Bohemian Rhapsody sequel. Yeah, so May was quoted as saying, we have been looking at ideas. It's going to be hard to follow that one as none of us could have predicted how massive that was going to be. We put a lot of heart and soul into making it and no one could have predicted its success as it was bigger than Gone with the Wind. I don't know about that. Mm. (laughs) A bit of hyperbole there. But yes, we are thinking maybe it could happen, but it would have to be a great script. It's going to take a while to figure that out. What on earth kind of sequel could they make out of that? I don't know. Freddie Mercury is dead. Like, where does the story go? Could it be the Adam Lambert resurgence of Queen? Maybe, and I'd like to see that. But there has already been a Mm. documentary film about that, which was really cool, by the way. If anyone wants to check that out, definitely have a look for that. Yeah, look, I have a bit of a yeah thing about Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't think it was a particularly strong film. Certainly nothing no. as amazing as Rocket Man, which detailed the life of Elton John. How do you feel about this sequel? Yeah, it could have been stronger. I thought Bohemian Rhapsody. It was really mm. well received, though. You know, I'd be interested in seeing the story of Queen as they went on after the death of mm. Freddie Mercury. Um, but as I said, there is a documentary out there about that, but... I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, last week we shared that Brendan Fraser was cast in Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. And this week, another big hitter joins the impressive cast in John Lithgow. Lithgow, he will play the role of Prosecutor Lee Word. Mm, the film is based on David Grant's best-selling novel and is set in 1920s Oklahoma, depicting the serial murder of members of the oil-wealthy Osage Nation. And it was a string of brutal crimes that came to be known as the Reign of Terror. Speaking of casting news, Lee, Australia's Margot Robbie has joined Wes Anderson's latest project, an untitled feature that will begin shooting in Spain later in August of this year. Mm, The usual Anderson crew are already attached, including Adrian Brody, Bill Murray and Tilda Swinton, but we've also got Tom Hanks in the mix. Serious lineup there. How good. How good is it? Yeah, love a Wes Anderson film. Still waiting for the French Dispatch to appear. That was delayed because of um, COVID and dying to see Mm, that. Me too. Now, Idris Elba, Tim, has been cast as Knuckles in Sonic 2, the sequel to the movie that was based on Sega's classic video game. And he is joining returning cast members James Marsden, Jim Carrey and Ben Schwartz as the voice of Sonic. So for those not familiar with the game, Knuckles is a hot-headed red echidna who is the guardian of the Master Emerald. Mm. (laughs) Sounds like a good role for Idris, doesn't it? It does, actually. This piece of casting really excites me, to be honest. I've always thought that Idris Elba should play a red echidna. (laughs) Says his manager. Yeah. Uh, Sonic 2 is expected in cinemas early next year. All right, Lee. Mm. So we were treated to an absolutely bonkers trailer for another Nicolas Cage film this week called Prisoners of the Ghost Land. It had its premiere at Sundance earlier this year and promises to be an absolutely wild Ride. I think that's the understatement of the century, Tim. The synopsis reads, In the treacherous frontier city of Samurai Town, a ruthless bank robber, played by Cage, is sprung from jail by a wealthy warlord, the Governor, played by Bill Mosley, whose adopted granddaughter Bernice, played by Sophia Butella, has gone missing. The Governor offers the prisoner, his freedom in exchange for retrieving the runaway. And so he's strapped into a leather suit get get this, will self-destruct within five days unless, you know, he brings the young woman back and finds his own path of redemption in the process. Oh, of course. Mm. Absolutely has to be there. 
goodness me, Prisoners of the Ghost Land is being distributed by Umbrella Entertainment in Australia, but no firm release date just yet, but we'll let you know once yeah. we know. I mean, this is a genre-mashing sci-fi western Nicolas Cage bonanza, isn't it? You can't even describe this film. It looks great. I think Cage bonanza is the perfect way to sum <laughs> this up. You've coined a phrase, Lee. You know, I love the choices that he's making lately. I just really, really enjoy it. We saw Pig uh, recently, which mm. we're going to cover off in a couple of weeks, and honestly, it's just his creative choices are just out of this world, left field, most of them work. I just love it. Most of them work. Most of them. Not all of them. <laughs> Most of them. All right, Lee, we got a trailer for Kelly Preston's last film called Off the Rails, and it's about friends who revisit the European interrail trip they shared in their youth after one of them passes away. Yeah, the film co-stars Jenny Seagrove and Sally Phillips as part of the group who are asked to fulfill their friend's dying wish of taking her daughter with them on their do-over adventure. Kelly Preston, who is the wife of John Travolta, sadly passed away in July of last year after a mm. private battle with cancer. Doesn't the fact that she no, is no longer with us just make this film so much more poetic? Mm. Uh, it's going to be quite emotional, I think, for yeah. many who know her and love her. Absolutely. In other news, Tim, Emma Stone has locked in a deal to return as Cruella in the Disney sequel prequel. I'm coining that phrase, sequel mm. prequel. Sequel prequel. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I'm going to combust. So this is significant for two reasons, isn't it? Because it means the wheels are officially in motion for the project. Tick, that's happening. And in the wake of Scarlett Johansson's legal action against Disney for loss of income due to the simultaneous streaming and theatrical model, it means this is now likely being covered off in contracts. Yeah. Even though the company is still assessing the viability of putting movies on Disney Plus for a premium price. Yeah, so everybody's mm. covering their bases now to make sure that yes. there's no trouble in the future. Oh, yes. A contract is a contract is a contract. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think what movie that's from. <laughs> is it Matilda? I don't know. It's just a, a, It just came to me and I just shared it. I was like, I don't actually know where it's from. Okay, tell us. Yeah. Can you tell me where it's from? And that's it mm. for another episode of Popcorn Podcast. We covered off Under the Volcano, the music documentary, and The Ice Road starring Liam Neeson. And please don't forget to keep your eyes peeled on our YouTube channel for our interviews with Hugh Jackman, Tandaway Newton, and writer-director Lisa Joy. Coming very soon. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We have a website, popcornpodcast.com. Make sure you check it out. We've got all our episodes up there for you. If you'd like to get to know us a little better, there's an About Us section and we run ticket giveaways. So keep an eye on the website for more information. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.